Let's welcome up Neil Perry, who joins us from Romsey Mill this morning. Neil, wonderful to be able to welcome you. Good morning, everyone. Hi, good morning. Good to be with you. Um, Neil, we asked you at the 9.30 service to tell us something um, about yourself. You did. Yeah, I put you on the spot. And you I did. Asked, thank you. <laughs> I have a habit of doing that. Um, and I asked you to tell us something about who you are, both professionally and personally. Surely. Um, so, I'm Neil. It's my job, but it's also my joy to lead the work of Romsey Mill. Romsey Mill is a Cambridgeshire charity creating opportunities with children, young people and families. I'm going to share a little bit more about the work of Romsey Mill within the context of, of my talk this morning. Matthew has asked me to do that, given that it's Education Sunday. Uh, but it's, it, that's what I do, and I love it. Uh, Family-wise, we, uh, Lisa's my wife, we have three children. Joe and Izzy, twins, uh, have just moved up. They're in their first year of sixth form at two separate colleges in Cambridge. And then our younger daughter, Amelia, is at Sawston Village College. My wife teaches at William Wesley School in, uh, in Whittlesford. Uh, what else is relevant? I'm a school governor. Brilliant. That, that'll do for now. Excellent. <laughs> there we are. Let's pray for Neil as he <coughs> speaks to us this morning. Father God, we thank you for bringing Neil here this morning and for the message which he has to share with us. We thank you for that assurance in your word that the law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. And we pray that our souls may be revived and our lives moved on in our journey in you this morning. So come now, Lord, and bless Neil. Minister through his words to us, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matthew. And it is great to be with you again this morning. I really appreciate the welcome to join you and also to talk. I'm just taking my phone out, not to take calls, but just to keep a little eye on the time. Um, so, so I've mentioned Romsey Mill, community development charity established by local churches in Cambridge some 35 years ago, back in 1980, and still going strong, which is, which is brilliant. Uh, a whole range of different programmes and activities and opportunities. We work across Cambridge City and, and out into the surrounding districts. It's great uh, that Romsey Mill, members of the team, partner with Camborne Church, with Camborne Youth Partnership, uh, with the schools and the, and the colleges uh, doing work in, in this area. We've got Jackson over here doing youth development work. Uh, we've got Judith, who's a member of our Young Parents Programme, doing young, young parent support work here in Camborne. We've got Ruth and Avril, who run two of our Aspire groups for young people who have an autistic spectrum condition, providing support and activity and a space and a place and, and also help for families. Uh, and we, we do all sorts of linking with, with church. Sam, who's one of our... Uh, student workers who's doing his degree uh, at Centre for Youth Ministry is now on alternative placement with the church. So there's, so there's some, some great links. Um, what I thought I would do, I don't want to spend too long talking about the work of Romsey Mill this morning. I would be delighted if after the time you want to come and talk to me, you want to give me a real email address so we can send you some information directly. I should have annual reviews and prayer diaries and things with me. I don't. So there's every opportunity for you to come and talk to me afterwards and, uh, and find out more. I'd be delighted if you wanted to do that. But what I thought I would do is just share with you some pictures, sort of a, a year in the life of Romsey Mill. No words, just pictures and a little bit of music along the way. In case you're wondering, you really did see a man dressed as a cow jumping over a fire pit. You also saw... From across our work, our early years, care and education work, our children's centres that we manage, uh, our Aspire programme, our Young Parents programme, our alternative education work, our youth development work. Um, so you've, you, you've seen this already, this popped up before. Um, I, had a, I had a great, I had a good, I had great uh, education, formal education through school and college. 
went to schools in the northeast of England, just outside Durham. I went to school in northwest London, Harrow, bottom of the hill, not the top of the hill. Uh, college down in Bournemouth, various places. And I had, I had a good, really good school education. But I also picked up certain life lessons along the way. And I picked up a life lesson or two from uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Here's one. Calvin uh, is clearly in school sitting a test. Explain Newton's first law of motion in your own words. Calvin thinks and responds in his own words. Can you see that? I'm not going to try interpreting that because Calvin loves loopholes. And one more. Is it coming? Can somebody click next slide? Can you do it from the back? Perfect. Here's another one. So, so Hobbes, uh, Calvin's cuddly tiger who comes to life when they're on their own, says to Calvin, aren't you supposed to be doing your homework now? Calvin responds, I quit doing homework. Homework is bad for my self-esteem. Is it? Sure. It sends the message that I don't know enough. All that emphasis on right answers, it makes me feel bad when I get them wrong. So instead, I'm trying to learn. I'm just, uh, so instead of trying to learn, I'm just concentrating on liking myself the way I am. Your self-esteem is enhanced by remaining an ignoramus. Please, let's call it informationally impaired. Now, I I mean, a few teachers with with us this morning, I wonder whether you've come across a student or two along the way, a bit like Calvin. I hope not, I hope not. Um, so, So Education Sunday is a national day of prayer and celebration for everyone involved in the world of education. For more than 100 years, there's been this annual recognition of Education Sunday in England and in Wales. And this, for those of you who, some of you will know this, some won't know this, it's traditionally been on the ninth Sunday before Easter, which means we've got nine Sundays to Easter. We've got, we've got three Sundays, I think, to the start of Lent. So, um, so that's when it's normally happened. But it kind of, it, there's no particular links to the academic year. And so after consultation with member churches, the decision's been made recently to move the date of Education Sunday for this year. So the new date is uh, the second Sunday in September, and for this year it's the 11th of September. So I I imagine we'll be doing something again, hopefully, uh, in September, which will be great. Um, And I think think the decision to move it to September makes sense for schools, colleges. uh, For what it's worth, I think it's a positive decision. Our schools are a vital environment for the care and the nurture, the development, the love of our children and our young people. And so to have a designated Sunday when we can pray for teachers, for lecturers, for support staff, for for any other people working in our places of formal education, it's great, isn't it? And it's really encouraging to have... Uh, representatives from school here this morning. So thank you very much. I'm not normally here, but it's just encouraging for me as well. Really positive to, to see some of you. Uh, as I said, my wife's a teacher. I'm a school governor, and therefore I've got a, a fairly good understanding of the, the level of commitment and hard work, dedication, the sort of resilience that, that, that teachers need, those who are called, and, and, and those working in school environments, those called into this sort of vocation. It's a, it's, a, it's a significant call. However, my main point this morning, I've got a few other things to say, but my main point this morning is this. It's to remember that education 
and learning, that, that it's a lifelong endeavor. Learning is a lifelong endeavor. Let's see if we can get... Ah, oh, there we go. Now, small children often get asked this question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Maybe some of us remember being asked that question as small children, and we remember our responses at the time. Perhaps we're doing the job that we we thought we would be doing back then when we were small children. Uh, I imagine for many of us we're doing something completely different. Uh, Many of us are still pondering the question, aren't we? Even as adults, (laughs) what am I going to do when I grow up? Uh, Seriously, seriously, education learning... It is a lifelong opportunity. And um, the contexts within which our learning takes place are many and varied, not least including our homes, our workplaces, our churches, as well as a a whole range, a plethora of, of informal situations and settings where learning takes place. We could reframe this question this morning, the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, in the following way, and we can ask ourselves this question, who am I becoming? Now, we could pause at this point and spend the rest of the morning reflecting on that question, talking together about it, grabbing coffee and having a conversation and asking the question, who am I becoming. It's an important question. Another question that we often ask small children is this. What's the name of your teacher? You often hear on the radio when Chris Evans is is doing his, uh, you know, what you've done for the first time ever slot on Radio 2 on weekday mornings. He often asks the children, if there's something to do with school, what's the name of their teacher? And then as your children get older and they move from the primary to secondary school, the question then is, well, what are the names of your teachers? Uh, and it becomes a little bit more difficult to, to get a handle on all those, those names. Um, certainly in my experience it does. Again, as, as, as adults, this is still a good question to ask ourselves. What are the names of my teachers? In other words... Who am I learning from? What, what people, what ideas, what messages, what values, what views of the world am I assimilating, digesting, taking in? I forget the statistic on the number of adverts we're bombarded with on a, on a daily, an hourly basis. It's a lot, isn't it? You've probably heard the statistic. Um, and there's all sorts of contexts and, and, and places and people that... that, that provide opportunities for for messages and teaching and learning. The church here at Camborne has recently embarked on a new teaching series on whole life discipleship. I I listened recently to Matthew's and to Steve Houston's sermons. They're good sermons, they're online. If you haven't listened to them yet, get into the series. Very practical, very dynamic, really good stuff. Stuff of life teaching, it's brilliant, really good. Um, A helpful way to understand. So for some of us, we're familiar with the term disciple, but others maybe not so familiar. I found that a helpful way of thinking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is to consider it as um, an apprenticeship. 
So apprenticeships, very often you learn, uh, uh, you learn certain skills, you gain certain knowledge on the job. You might be released to college for a couple of days a week, but actually much of the time you're learning alongside. You're seeing others do the job and you're learning from them. So learning from practice, not just from theory. And this is a good uh, way to understand what it means to be a disciple. As Jesus' apprentices in, the, in, in kingdom living and kingdom acting, we are learning to be like Jesus. That's the general idea. That, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what Christian faith is about. Learning to be like Jesus. That's what it means to trust Christ. We grow in genuine faith in Christ as we put into practice the little faith we have. From faith to faith. And our faith grows as we put it into practice. We're told this in Romans in one of the New Testament letters. In our reading this morning from Luke's Gospel, we're, uh, <clears throat> we see Jesus returning to Galilee and teaching in the synagogues. And his, his lessons are well received. Some of us as teachers, we teach lessons and they're, they're well received. And other times we, we teach lessons and they're perhaps a little less well received. I don't know. Jesus goes on from, uh, to, to Nazareth and he teaches in the synagogue there. And Jesus makes five proclamations. This is Jesus' service. This is his curriculum, if you like. And Jesus says five things. He declares, and I think this might be a good kind of curriculum for life, you know. He declares good news for the poor, release for the captives, sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and the favour of the Lord. And and, and Jesus, I don't think Jesus is making a distinction between personal change, this curriculum being applied personally to individual people, and the need for it to be applied to communities, to systems and structures. He's talking about economic, legal, physical and relational bondage at all sorts of levels. Romdimel's work that we do with young people, children and families, much of our work, most of our work is about the face-to-face, the direct work with young people, children and families. We love it. It's what we get up for. Uh, We learn as we do it. It is brilliant. It's hard work. uh, It's tough work. But it's brilliant work. Um, it's It's about creating those opportunities for young people to grow and to thrive. I um, mentioned part of my education was in Bournemouth. We moved from Bournemouth on the sunny south coast of England, uh, Lisa, my wife and our children, to be here in Cambridge so that I could get involved with the work of Romsey Mill. Bournemouth's a lovely place. How many people have been to Bournemouth for a summer holiday? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. So when I moved from, from Bournemouth, it was quite a tough call to move from Bournemouth, sunny Bournemouth, lovely, on the south coast with the sea and sand, to Cambridge. But Cambridge isn't a bad place to come to, is it? You know, compared with other other we're not compared with other places, Cambridge is not a bad place to be. Actually, Cambridge as a city and 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 the wider district is a place of huge opportunities. It really is huge opportunities. But our city is also and city in the surrounding area. It's also a place of some harmful um, sort of, I suppose, inequalities disparities 
So you've got these opportunities, but you've also got these disparities. And Romsey Mill's work is very much about working into those sorts of contexts, trying to level the playing field, advocating on the behalf of young people, children and families, trying to make that difference, trying to create those opportunities. It's about kind of renovation of the heart, renovation of, of lives and families and communities, and we work together. But we're also interested in the systems and structures. So occasionally, from time to time, you'll hear us getting a bit, you know, uh, vocal about some of the, the, the injustices in our local communities. And I think that's part of that's because that's part of Jesus' agenda. Um, in summary, what's Jesus saying? What is Jesus' curriculum all about? It's this. Jesus is saying he comes to set people free. He comes to set people free. Now, in, in a gathering as we are this morning, I know some of us are guests here this morning, others are members of the church, others have been sort of around fringes for a while. We're all at different places along the way, and we'll all have different views of, of life and faith and, and Christian faith and who Jesus is and, and what he said and what it meant. Wherever we are, can I just encourage us to continue, as we walk through life, to continue to think about, to make some time to consider the life, the teaching, the actions of Jesus. Um, don't, don't think you've, you've covered that, but come back to it, if, if perhaps you've left it for a while. For those of us this morning who would identify as Christians, followers of the way, disciples, apprentices. What we're called to do, we're called to continue Jesus' work, to develop and use our gifts as co-workers with Christ. And whatever our vocations, very often our vocations lead us out into the wider community, serving people who, who, whether they know it or not, would benefit from just receiving some love. We would say the love of God. The, the, I, you had a bit of drum and bass with our photographs. Did you like it? I only learned about this guy, Ethwood, just this last week when a young person, actually a slightly old young person, told me about this guy, Ethwood. He's a, a, DJ, a drum and bass DJ. He's a producer. Just love the line. We're nothing without love. We're nothing without love. Um, I think it's in, it's in Galatians, Galatians 5, 5. Apostle Paul puts it differently. He says, you know, actually, you know, the only thing that counts, Paul says, take this away, the only thing that counts is faith demonstrating itself through love. Here's a question. We're on the home straight. Here's a question. It's not my question. Uh, this is Mary Oliver's question. Mary Oliver is an American poet. She's won the National Book Award. She's won a Pulitzer Prize. And here's her question. Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Boy, there's another question. Who am I becoming? What am I going to do? What's the plan? Whatever our circumstance and situation, however much life we feel we have, however much we feel life is good for us at this time, our life is wild and it is precious and there is opportunity. We don't know how much of it we've got, and actually, even in the small things, we can make the most of this opportunity. Let me ask you another question. This is my question. Are you a bucket or a hose? It's a rhetorical question, okay? Are you a bucket or a hose pipe person? Bucket. Somebody said they were a bucket earlier. Um, that's okay. However... <laughs> um, as I think of the analogy of buckets and, and hose pipes, and, and I try to apply that to kind of my, my life as a Christian along the way, 
Sometimes I think as Christians, we get it into our head that, that, that the most important thing is kind of filling the bucket, which is our life, filling it with knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Wow, Psalm 19, that we that our first reading, take that away. Chew that over. There's some, some interesting stuff there, good stuff there to think about and reflect upon. But, but I think sometimes we think the priority, the most important thing is to be able to say we've got our truths right. We've t- we can tick the boxes, yeah, we've, we've got our beliefs squared and, we're, and they're in the bucket and that's where we are. Um, <clears throat> I wonder, you know, holding the right beliefs, thinking the right things. I, I wonder whether actually we, we should be thinking a little more about being host pipes, allowing kind of the life of the spirit... God's good stuff to flow through us and onto others. Don't take the analogy too far, but, uh, but that's, you know, I wonder whether that's what we should be doing. A great soul will be strong to live as well as strong to think. There's one last phrase I'd like to leave you with this morning, which I think is appropriate for Education Sunday, and it's this. This is it. Take this away. Each one, teach one. Each one, teach one. The phrase originated in the United States during the time of slavery when Africans were denied education, including being able to learn to read. Many, if not most, enslaved people were kept in a state of ignorance about anything beyond their immediate circumstances. Uh, They were under the control of their owners, the lawmakers, the authorities. But it's really interesting that when an enslaved person learned or was taught to read, it became her duty or his duty to teach someone else, leading to this phrase, each one, teach one. A Christian missionary who worked in the Philippines, a guy called Frank Labosh, he, he took the phrase and um, used it to address poverty and illiteracy in the Philippines. And then later it was used in Jamaica for a, an adult literacy programme. For each one, teach one. And if you reach one, it was worth it. Let's pray. Father God, I do pray this morning that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all our hearts, would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen.